Blog Talk Radio. Greetings. Thank you for joining me today on this episode entitled The Missing Links. What I'm going to be utilizing this show to do today is to have a candid conversation about the profit of nonprofit organizations in this country who purport to be part of criminal justice reform. How can we build and rebuild and reform the criminal justice system where there are missing links? The missing links in these equations include but are not limited to conversations and a quote-unquote movement as it pertains to the areas of human trafficking, domestic minor sex trafficking, sexual child exploitation, juvenile justice and reform, and the criminal justice system as it pertains to adults facing mandatory minimum prison sentences, the war on drugs that have made Americans prisoners of war. How can we have these conversations when we're not bringing the people to the table? No, I don't mean that we ought to take victims of human trafficking and make them poster children. I adamantly disagree with that measure, as been done in the state of Georgia with, quote, unquote, Rachel's Law. I disagree with that method. But what I do appreciate, at least, is that they're bringing and have brought a victim to the table. Don't value the method that she's been used or presented because she's a child whose life will be defined by human trafficking. But the conversation of human trafficking, child exploitation, mandatory minimum prison sentencing, the life of individuals in America who are victims of the poverty-to-prison pipeline, the mental health-to-prison pipeline, prostitution-to-prison pipeline, and the school-to-prison pipeline must be geared toward involving not only their voices, not only using them as ploys and sound bites, but truly asking them what works. For the last 18 to 24 months, I have been diligently following several for-profit industries who declare and profess that they are nonprofit, 501s, and they reap all of the tax benefits of these organizations. Many of them have presented what some refer to as, quote, unquote, white paper, which is research. And beyond that, all of the research for these three major organizations all lead to and have suggested the same. When I compare their research to the movements that have transpired 10 to 20 years before their research was written, the conclusions are all the same. One out of three African-American males, one out of two Latinos, one out of four Hispanics. At the end of the day, there has to be something said about who's monitoring nonprofit organizations in America, what scales or goals are set for them to follow or benchmarks, and how do we determine their successes or their failure? when it comes to addressing issues like criminal justice and reform, juvenile justice and human trafficking. These have become hot topics. Everybody's jumping on the bandwagon to say that they can provide a program, product, and or service that will help 
aid victims or individuals who fall prey to the criminal justice system, human trafficking, and victimization. And yet, 5, 10, 15, 20 years later, we're still reading the same data, the same reports. Yes, sure, I'm all agree in agreement for quote-unquote evidence-based practices. But tell me, what is your evidence as it pertains to effectuating change in the lives of victims of human trafficking and reentry? And why are you now waiting to 2016 to do it? You have been in existence for 28 years, some of you 15, others 12, some of you 5. What have you done to effectuate change? Yes, you've given us white paper. It's been repetitive. The data has not changed in the last 10 to 15 years. It's very consistent, statistically speaking. But in terms of effectuating change in the lives of the people who matter, when do they come to the table? When do their lives change? Millions of dollars are being poured into the so-called nonprofit organizations. And others are seeing it as a business opportunity, as it were, to get involved and to engage and collaborate. But when I look at states like Georgia and others around the country, I am constrained to ask, where's the bed space? Who has the safe houses? Why is it taking you 16 years to define that our children, in fact, are victims of human trafficking? Why do we need 30 years to realize that our criminal justice system is broken and needs to be changed and reformed? How often do you go into the community and have a candid conversation with families who are generally low-income, underserved, black, and poor, and ask them candid questions about their lives and what can be changed about their lives? How do we run around the country promoting economic and social change, criminal justice reform, and we leave these people who are the most adversely affected away from the conversation? I recently participated in a DMST Lobby Day 2016 in Georgia for the Capitol. I looked around the room, and I thought, wow. We're African Americans. Are we not participating because we don't want to? Because it's not an issue of importance or significance? Or is it because we don't know what's transpiring in our communities? Or the information isn't making its way to us? Because I'm all about accountability and responsibility. And then I thought, wow, look at the number of Caucasians here. And then I find out that the three organizations that were the leading sponsors of that event they, nonprofit, secured chartered buses to bring individuals to Lobby Day who reside north of Atlanta and predominantly white communities, John Creek, Lawrenceville, etc. And so I sent an email and I asked, are there going to be any buses chartered south of Atlanta? Surely if I were a nonprofit and I'm receiving federals, be able to do that. I don't. So I look to the organizations that are receiving these financial benefits and perks to do that, to bring us to the table so that we become an intricate part of change for our community. 
I never got a response to why that never happened. But I voiced it in writing, verbally on the day of the event, in the most professional way that I could. Do you have a minute? I would like to inquire about the chartered buses that were made available for communities north of Atlanta. And, you know, this isn't just limited to Georgia. This is happening throughout the United States. And I'm beginning to ask myself, and I'm constrained to ask myself this very important question. A lot of this guilt, where you have a core group of individuals who know that they and or their ancestors have done wrong somewhere along the line, so now you want to fix this problem that you believe your ancestors created, and you want to be the only one who do it. And that's not fair. I get it. You know that maybe your husbands are the Johns, the rapists who are having sex with underage girls that you call prostitutes. Statistically speaking, the majority of the Johns are white males. The pimps are black men. So is there a sense of guilt there? So you want to take the staff and the rod and you want to run with it and exclude the voices and the communities of anyone else so that no one else has a part of this? That's wrong. And from Georgia to California, from New York to Seattle, it's happening. There are missing links to this reform issue. I say to my white colleagues, you cannot do this and fix it by yourself. You broke it, but you can't fix it by yourself because too many lives have been adversely affected. We've gone from slave codes to criminal codes in America. You can't fix this problem by yourself. You can't be that arrogant to think that you can. You must be willing to bring people to the table who have the answers, who are in the fields with these individuals who are most adversely affected day in and day out. It is beyond arrogance to think that you could fix this problem by yourself with a few pieces of legislation. The six Ps have to be an intricate part. The role of the parent, the pastor, the principal, the police, the prosecutors, and the prisoners. That system has to be involved. For mental health, your physicians, your psychiatrists, and the pharmaceutical industry, you can't fix this by yourself. The first three Ps are the most critical. Because they, in fact, deal with the very people you purport to be helping day in and day out. They either did something wrong or they thought they were doing something right and it had wrong results. Parents have to be an intricate part of reform in America. They have to be given the tools that are needed to rebuild their families if you're trying to rebuild the system that has broken them. Pastors, faith-based communities have to know what to say, when to say it, what programs and services, and what messages have to be delivered to their people. Equally so, equally so, principals, the school-to-prison pipeline starts with them. They need to be given the tools that are necessary to dismantle the school-to-prison pipeline, but they need to hear from parents, pastors, faith-based community to get a glimpse, to glean the situation. If you're in an isolated school district, you may or may not know what's going on around you. And this goes to all of the principals, 
all of the faith-based community and parents, notwithstanding his or her race, ethnicity, gender, or nationality. You can't fix this alone. Missing from your multi-million dollar equation are human beings who are adversely affected. Issues of mass incarceration and criminal justice reform, it's a hot topic. But you can't fix it by yourself. Professing to be the experts, how are you the expert? Have you ever been arrested, incarcerated? Do you know what the system is like on the other side? Are you a family member? Are you part of the community that is most adversely affected, that have to know what it's like to return back to a society? Are you a victim of the school-to-prison pipeline? Do you know what it's like to have a nine-year-old child incarcerated in a place like Chatham County Detention Center with 16-year-olds? Do you know what that's like? You can't problem by yourself. You can't. And your research, quote-unquote, and your so-called evidence-based practices, we've been hearing that for 10, 15, 20 years. It's a lie. You don't have evidence-based practices. And I'll tell you why you don't. Because human trafficking victims has skyrocketed in the last 10 to 15 years. The school-to-prison pipeline has skyrocketed in the last 10 to 15 years. The number of juveniles adversely affected and displaced and removed from their homes have skyrocketed. So if you had evidence-based practices, they're not working. And they're not working because you don't allow the right people to be able to have an intricate voice and to be an intricate of problem solving the equation. They are the missing link from the equation. And while they may not profess the education or have the academic background or credentials that you possess, they live it day in and day out. They know it. And you have to set aside the arrogance of thinking you have all the answers when you don't. You can't rebuild the criminal justice system in America without speaking to the people most adversely affected the inmates, their communities, and you can't do it with sound bites and photo ops and bringing the media there for one or two days, has to be done and involve the six Ps, up, down, and all around. If you are truly interested in criminal justice reform in America, thank you for joining me on Blog Talk Radio. This is Sherry Jefferson.